Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of The Challengers, brought to you by Tell Me Your Secrets, the new Amazon original series starring me, Lily Rabe, and Hamish Linkletter, now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Today on the show, we're joined by the incredible and incomparable Harriet Warner. She is a writer and showrunner driven to tell thrilling, multi-layered stories, primarily from the perspective of intriguing and challenging female characters. She has written for many TV dramas, including The Alienist, Call the Midwife, Mistresses, and you guessed it, Tell Me Your Secrets. Together, Harriet and I discuss her career and the challenges behind creating and developing this incredible drama. With all that being said, let's dive into my amazing conversation with Harriet Warner. So, welcome to The Challengers, Harriet Warner. Thank you, Amy. Um, I We're going to get your fabulous bio probably in the intro. So, this is my bio of you, which is you are the incredible writer and showrunner of Tell Me Your Secrets, a show on Amazon Prime. Uh, which will have dropped by the time this podcast is out, uh, February 19th here in the States. And um, Tell Me Your Secrets is sponsoring this season of The Challengers. So they, Amazon wanted me, and I was happily excited to, uh, make a Tell Me Your Secrets focused episode. And um, I was honestly thinking that you were the one I wanted to talk to because you're the captain of the ship and you experience challenges um, creating the show. So I, I want to, I mean, you've, you've sweetly listened to some episodes, but th- it's funny because I was thinking like how there are so many thematic uh, crossovers in the creation of something like this and the theme of this podcast. Um, but this is from the original um, blog line. This podcast is not a how to triumph over adversity, I beat the odds discussion. It's not a discussion about learning to accept a challenge or live despite it. This is a conversation about how the thing that we don't want to happen to us is exactly the thing that can be the catalyst to become the person and join the community that we've been longing for all along. So I was thinking about um, working with you and watching you beautifully lead. And I guess I would just start off and say, what would you say was was the biggest challenge for you with the creation of this series? Thanks, Amy. And just say it's so lovely to be here with you and to be talking about our show. And um, yeah, I think I think in a way the biggest challenge and 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 what you've just said in the log line about the podcast the thing almost you're most afraid of is the thing you need to do most. And for me, as a writer, as a creator, I had always been for so long, all my life really wanting a a platform, wanting a voice, and yet sort of inherently not being equipped to take that platform and to have that voice. I think I was an incredibly shy shy child and continued to sort of wish fulfillment but stand on the sidelines and for various reasons I I remember just to sort of digress a tiny bit one of our conversations 
just after the pilot, you told me about stepping into your power as a showrunner, as a producer. And I really, that really stayed in my head. And from pilot to season, I think that's really what I, what I, what I did. But the thing is, I really struggled with that. I struggled with being the person to go from thinking and dreaming and, and having ideas to really stepping up and realizing that being a showrunner is is being a leader it's not just about having the story it's about protecting the story it's about nurturing relationships it's about being brave all the time and essentially even if it's not in a in a kind of a hostile way you're always fighting for one thing or another whether it's for money or for time or to really land your vision through convincing people. Um, so I think that was my biggest challenge to step out of, of being shy and thinking you can get there without raising your voice. And I, as I say, I don't mean that in a way that you have to change who you are, but you have to, you have to take responsibility for the child, which is the project and the show. And and I think have huge responsibility for all those who commit to it and who are on the journey with you. Um, but that was, that was for me, like birthing the show was one thing, creating it was, has its own challenges, but, but delivering it when you're in the real world and you've stepped out of the kind of the luxury of, of being with your computer and script making and thinking about what you want to do and what you are doing to actually go into the world and carve that show from, from physical things, from locations to really bring people with you. Um, for someone who uh, is essentially, as I say, shy, like thinking today, oh God, what am I going to talk about? You know, that's who I am. And so to kind of come through that I'd say for that was my that was my biggest personal challenge and I think that's the thing that that I I learned to love most the wonderful relationships and knowing that I was a good parent to this show and I hope the people within it because it was that kind of obviously you're a you're a leader you're a CEO of the company in a way but but ultimately you to do that in a way that you bring people with you and hopefully have relationships that go on way beyond the show, because that's really important to me. It's yes, the work is the work, but it's also it's life and how you live it and, and who goes with you on that journey. Oh my God. You should be a writer. You're very articulate. <laughs> I feel like there's, okay. There's a million things that I want to unpack. I mean, the first is, well, the first is sort of a logistical thing, which I remember talking to you very um, uh, explicitly in that the the role of the showrunner, and I don't know if it's different in the UK or different um, different places. It's it's in the US. It's such a unique role because the best, most innovative, interesting TV shows come from deeply introspective people in their heads that can dream the way you dream, right? So to do that, you are natural. One is usually, not always, but usually very introspective and spends a lot of time in one's head. That is literally where the ideas come from, right? 
So in a way, it's an entirely different personality type that would, you know, lead so true. literally hundreds of people, right? And yeah, yet in the U.S., again, the showrunner has to do both in a way. Even if you have great partners, great producing partners, directing partners, people are always turning to you. So you have to have both the imagination and this pretty externalized um, leadership quality, which in a way, as you just said, it's like, wait, that's two different kinds of people. You know what, Amy, that is like, it sounds crazy, but I never really thought of it like that. And that is absolutely true. That's why I think it's, it's the most amazing job because it is, it is the true creative, the true visionary, the ability to make the things you think of happen. And it is such a privilege and such a gift. And it doesn't exist in the same way in the UK. And it's very, it's very compartmentalized. And, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing it because it's the way our industry is, but having done it in America, and I think made an incredible show and you know, equipped myself with a huge number of skills um, and loved it. As I say, it's the real um, delivering the vision. It's very strange to come back and you work in a, in a sort you're not optimized, I don't think, as a creator, even mm. if you have created the show. Um, and that's just how it is. It will take, I think it will really take a while for the UK to catch up. Um, but also there's a, there's a kind of, you know, there's an industry in, in producers and, and production. And, and I just think, that it's it's always been so compartmentalized that people have got used to it and it's almost like yeah the the writer can cause problems rather than make extraordinary solutions and find efficiencies and and isn't this precious creature that's gonna collapse if you say hey we can't film that scene so you know we're gonna tell you to do it this way when actually an empowered showrunner is gonna say look, we can give me the problem and I will find you a solution that doesn't damage the vision. And I think that's, that's the sort of, you know, that's what you miss when you've done it in, in the U S. Oh, I love, I love that. And I absolutely relate to it as an actor because similarly, it's like, they're so, I mean, I, I can't even tell you, you know, on, you know, the past 10 years, I probably did it with you you know, you see when you're not a producer, which I am happy, very happy at times to not be, but you yeah. see there's a huddle, right? And there's some, there's a concern and it's like, it's like, use me, you know, it's like, oh, well, we, we, yeah. the scene is too short. You know, the, the set, is, it can be very simple, right? It's like, oh, the, 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 the set is shorter than the scene. It's like, oh, well, maybe we can do this. Like if we're all rowing the same boat, you can yeah. think of a solution. I can and I mean, honestly, I, I have often thought it's just another expression of patriarchal dysfunction. I mean, this idea of like, hundred percent. when I got to, to LA and coming from not only theater, but we had an ensemble. So things like above the line, below the line, one, two, three, four in the call sheet, like literally mm. wounded me because yeah. it's like, wait a minute, the prop guy has to be great. So I can be great. And the deep, yeah. like, we have to have a different way of looking at this. And yeah. <clears throat> honestly, and I think back to 20 years ago, whenever that was, and it, and happily it's so changed. Most of those guys were men patting people yeah. like you and me on the head. I mean, that's just the way it was. So I feel like we're changing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure 
you know, I'd, I'd, there'd be huge kind of reaction to saying this, but it, it is true. Like in, in the UK, we are those people that are kind of allowed to be showrunners are mostly men. It is, we are, we're still, I think we're really behind, not completely, but, but a lot as a rule. Mm. Um, and, and I agree. I think if you have brilliant people with huge histories and experiences, why would you not open up to collaborate on lots of different levels and find solutions? And I think it's that, I mean, we know that the, sh- the show, any show is, you know, as Shonda says, it's the train has left the station and you're laying track for that oncoming train. And of course it's, it's an industry, it's a machine. And I think therefore it's like, Oh, let's, let's just keep this. Let's just handle this. Let's just move on. But what if you stopped for a second and you looked around and you made something incredible happen in that moment? You know, that's, I think for me, that's because I came to show running through this show and I learned my, you know, I don't say I learned my craft. I've begun to learn my craft and my God, I, I've got so much to learn, but I, it was baptism by fire and, and I, and I, I didn't burn. And I think therefore I, I can see new ways perhaps of doing things, certainly ways in which it's, it's about respect. It's like what I learned is God, as I say, you have to, you have so much protection to do if you do your job well. It's protecting the vision, but it's protecting your people and mm. being true to everything you've said to them and working with integrity so that, like, we are sitting down now. Regardless of your podcast, we would be sitting down as friends if I was in L.A. or Martha's Vineyard or, you know, that's what I think you get when you when you are open and when you stay open and you work with people and, you, as I say, you bring people with you and I think there isn't probably enough of that in the business because it's I don't know if it's about trust but I think you you have to when you connect and you commit you that's it we're all on on that ride together to make the show and therefore you want many people pulling together and I think also you know it's just finding finding your own style just like with anything yeah. and I remember like what's my style I had a very similar moment where um I had well I had many moments in judging Amy where I I mean some of it came natural naturally because it's like well this is autobiographical so I can get up and talk about creatively right but I one of the moments that is just occurring to me now is after 9-11 actually and we yeah. took a day or two but then the next that day that we went back to work and we were very close cast and crew and we gathered outside in this you know probably 100 people a whole crew and and time daily who had been a great mentor to me and also make beautiful speeches and great I kind of assumed that okay time's going to say something great and she turned to me and she she just had like deer in the headlights and I made a speech about why what we were doing was important and humanity and creation of art. I'm sure you have had a similar oh. speech, but I remember in that moment, like literally hundreds of little vulnerable eyeballs looking at me mm-hmm. and I had to step up and, yeah. and I was honored to do so. But do you like, were there moments from, I'm sure there are many moments, but there were, were there moments that you can remember distinctly where it's like, 
oh, I'm sure, you know, Bruna, maybe somebody else will handle something and realizing like, oh, it's on me. Like, was there a moment? Yeah. I mean, just to say to, you know, what you just talked about, that gives me such goosebumps. I mean, that's like, wow, everyone has like, wherever you were in the world that, I mean, I, I could cry thinking about that and, 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 and what, what that would have meant um, to do that to your, your cast and crew. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I think early on I would be on, because I was in the UK for a bit. Bruna was in um, Tasmania. She was shooting The Nightingale. And obviously we, you know, we were working with LA and then our amazing casting directors in New York. And um, I would be on some of those calls and just early, early days feeling really kind of like out of my depth and just I would be quiet on the calls because Bruno I'm thinking what can I add to what Bruno's saying and I do think also there's huge value in realizing that some people have amazing skills that you are not don't talk for the sake of it but also don't allow yourself to hide and I think as I sort of said earlier I was I was just a, 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 you know, a shy person. So that would kind of be my natural, natural sort of habitat, while at the same time, always dreaming of being the person that could literally do the tap dance on stage and play the piano in a bar and stuff. You know, I mean, I kind of always wanted that, but that wasn't my nature. And I remember the time I started to speak up. Um, and it was when it was like when I'd got to to LA and I was kind of then like starting to get a sense of of my role. Um, but realizing if I didn't say things, if I didn't say stuff, it, things were, were going forward because obviously then you're, you know, with a network and you're with suddenly it's it, you are in the industry. And again, realizing you you have when it when something is in danger, and I don't mean the show ever was, but those points where you know that silence is going to mean a decision is made. Mm. It's finally it's like this thing, and it's I think it's a bit like one of Mary's speeches. I've got this thing building inside of me, and it's going to come out. And and it was like it was survival coming out. Mm. And I remember sort of the first day that I started to find my voice. Um, someone from the network saying, Harriet, it was really good to hear you today and I want to keep hearing you. And it kind of, uh, you know, it's it just meant so much realising it's like people people had invested in me and mm. it's like, no, we believe in you. We We want the show. We believe in the vision. You need to believe in it. And it sounds so cliched, but it was so true. And I realised, of course, nobody knows this show more than me. Mm. Nobody knows these people more than me. I, I've created it. And I think, again, it's that thing where you just have to accept your talent, accept your ability, and also the perception other people have of you and just believe it. And it's that thing, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very hard to do when you're someone who kind of, um, first of all, feels that, everyone can see everything I'm thinking and feeling and also someone who feels I think that's part of being English but that oh I don't want to talk too much about myself because that sounds really arrogant and I think that's again the huge shift in America it's not seen as arrogant people want to know that their investment is 
secure and that they backed the right horse. And I think that was kind of, that was one of the first things, just, just being on some of those calls where, again, because you're not there in person mm. and these are the sort of days pre-Zoom kind of thing, um, that if you're not there and you're not speaking, you are invisible. And that is not the place for creator, showrunner, or not the kind of guise of that role. Um, I think kind of walking onto some of those sets sort of and locations in the pilot, um, being with someone as as amazing as Bruna, um, having her producer there. Bruna Papandreou. Yeah, yes. exactly. Right. You know, you're you're kind of, you know, there's a confidence being being with her, but again, it is it's Bruna is there to do her amazing role, but she is not there to be the showrunner. And what she does brilliantly is empower her people in whatever roles they're in to go and do the job that she's expecting them to do. Um, so realizing there was an expectation on me in those in those sort of situations, um, there were these huge responsibilities. I think then when we got picked up to series, sort of going out to New Orleans and those production meetings where, you know, I would be on every, you know, production meeting, tone meeting, kind of concept meeting to explain a really complex story from so, you know, the show, the so all everyone has their journey and we know it meshes in this wonderful way. But to land that before we've shot any of it, and mm. to know it and have that story sort of even before those scripts are written, but knowing I had to explain where we got to, that was an amazing moment. Because the sort of thing I was thinking, shit, I'm going to have to talk about all this stuff to all these different disciplines like props and makeup and wardrobe, all art, production design, everything, and explain and land this vision. Thinking, oh, God, this is not going to go well but finding that I I could talk through this show because again it's in my DNA and and to find that people were on the journey and okay they couldn't get their head around some of it but it's like no okay we we think this could work this is really interesting and we're interested and I think again the the wonder of America is I'd say everyone most of the people working in our in our industry are there because they love it and they love storytelling and they love making stories come to life. So I found an amazing audience just in, in our people. And, and that was that was wonderful. Stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of The Challengers is brought to you by the Amazon original series, Tell Me Your Secrets. What if you thought you killed someone, but you couldn't remember? In this psychological thriller, Emma, the girlfriend of a serial killer, is trying to figure out what role she played in the disappearance of a missing girl, Teresa. Teresa's mother, Mary, which is the character I play, is obsessed with tracking Emma down and finding answers. Mary even hires a serial predator to hunt for Emma, because what wouldn't a mother do to find her daughter? Am I right? This show is full of twists and turns, and you're constantly questioning whether a character is the victim or the villain. You don't want to miss this highly addictive thriller. From the executive producer of The Undoing and Big Little Lies, watch the Amazon original series, 
Tell Me Your Secrets, available now on Amazon Prime Video. Coming up on today's special episode, Harriet and I continue to discuss her career and her work on Tell Me Your Secrets. Let's listen to the rest of my conversation with Harriet. What drove you to tell the story? Well, I I was always I'm always fascinated by relationships, and I was really interested in um, in in someone having loved someone and not known something huge about them so that sort of central relationship with Emma and her past lover and this idea of intimacy can you have true intimacy without true knowledge and I started to think how could I look at those themes how could I tell them in a story and I thought about a woman who had been involved with a killer and really that his crimes are almost kind of separate to her not necessarily guilty complicity in them but this perception of guilt if you loved him and he was evil how can you not know that how can you not be evil and I was really interested in how we treat women who uh, I there are a couple of things in the UK that inspired me but how we treat women who have been involved with that kind of relationship and it's almost a harsher judgment than for the guy that did these terrible things um so I was really interested in that and then this idea that you actually can't really survive that you for your own protection um you're essentially given a new identity and that that took me to witness protection and when I thought about this character of Emma I thought well who is who's at the beginning of that story like where how can I have this figure mean something and I thought right the mother of someone who is lost, believed to be at the hands of this couple and therefore the only person left to give answers to this mother is is Emma and therefore that gave me the character of Mary. Um, And I thought about a woman who has channeled all this pain and absence and grief into something that gives her meaning and and tries to bring comfort to others, which is the foundation. And that made me think, okay, one day this guy walks into that foundation wanting his chance at, at a new start, at redemption. And you, you want nothing to do with him until you realize you're never going to find this woman by, um, in a way, above board means. You are going to have to go dark and you're going to have to make choices that you would not have thought were in your kind of moral landscape and I thought wow that that's this show you know the three of you um and then to look at the idea of the person that Emma is trying to start her life again with the person who has you know essentially control and 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 holds her independence in his hands is not a safe pair of hands and that gave me Pete and I thought wow this world I want to explore that but driven by by a lot of kind of weirdly historical stories in the UK of, of, of kind of um, abuse scandals with where power was was very corrupt and, and a lot of kind of vulnerable young people were were hurt. And that kind of just gave me a, a much bigger sense of 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 yeah, vulnerability and, and that that fed in and into the sort of 
the the story of the present there in in St. James in Louisiana, the story that Emma kind of in a way needs to find redress for to kind of give her some sort of absolution from the past. Um, so yeah, big stuff. And then just these wonderful, wonderful characters, which I don't think we've seen before to, to tell this, this story of, of truth and identity and intimacy and, and obsession and revenge. Sounds like a great show. I really want to see it. <laughs> um, I also, I don't, for, for me also playing Mary, I also, there was this moment, it was probably in the second, a little bit in the, in the, in the first episode um, where I felt like a politician and that became very yeah. interesting to me because I, it's not, you know, any politician you can think of. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's overtly corrupt folks, but then there's a whole gray area of what they're, um, their persona, right, is yeah. one of X, Y, or Z. So compassion, da, da 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 da, and it's not false, but it's also a calcif- like a like a movie star, like a calcified persona. And then what, what, and it, especially if you're playing somebody based on righteousness and integrity, mm. if your inner self is not, you know, I think this is mental and emotional health. Like if that's really not integrated with your persona you start to go a little batty, right? So, so the more righteous her public persona is, the darker this is. And then yeah. the only person that knows her is John, is this guy. Yeah, and I think that's that's so kind of, um, that is so Mary. I mean, that is, the, the, in a way, that this coping mechanism becomes this completely unattainable, like, facade for her. She isn't that person, but it's also put on her because... Right. I think what's really interesting is, again, you know, female grief. It's like there are certain roles a woman has to to play as a as a grieving mother. There isn't that space to be so fucking angry. This mm-hmm. thing is going to come out and destroy everything. Mm-hmm. You can't be that. You have to sort of, you know, put it through a process and it comes out something beneficial for all mankind because that's how women deal with loss and grief well it's literally pieta right it's like you need to be long suffering generous beautiful um and just all of the um and i think mary's smart enough to be able to construct that like she gets it you know just like but yeah yeah, i mean this this um the vigilant we haven't seen that you know outside of sort of i don't know this is a big statement i'm not sure if it's true but like there's the kind of um cartoony what i would consider cartoony tarantino vigilante female but it's like that's we haven't for reals and i wow i can't even tell you the number of times like when i've less so now actually and less so with female writers actually but whenever um you know, like, let's say 10 years ago, it's like, I was playing somebody. It's like, I think she has mixed feelings about being a mother. Maybe she doesn't want to be a mother. It's like, especially on network television, it's like not acceptable. (laughs) It's not extraordinary. And now I do feel like there's more room to, uh, to play, but it's still very uncharted territory. I mean, I feel like it, it really rocks the whole system. If, if women have complex feelings about motherhood. Yeah. It's extraordinary, isn't it? That like, you think of 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 history and think we are still only just starting to tell these stories i mean on one level it's it's kind of it, you then feel like you have this huge well to to draw from and you know a landscape to mine but on on the other level it's like 
my God, did you only just notice us? You know, <laughs> did you only just realize this, this, you know, this is, this is hugely complex and, you know, that, that, that we can be moving in a, beyond this tiny little compartment we were yeah. given. And as I say, the, the artist in me just thinks, wow, like, wow, we've got some stories to tell. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of The Challengers, brought to you by Tell Me Your Secrets. All episodes are streaming now on Amazon Prime Video. If you like The Challengers, be sure to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon for a brand new episode.